Um, so here's what we're going to do, guys. Um, we're going to go through this Bible story, and then we're going to go through a couple different things, and I'm going to ask you guys some questions um, and your opinions and your thoughts on what we can do to reach other people. That's the whole point of today's message is what can we do to reach other people for the Lord. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Let's pray. We'll, we'll go for it. Lord, we love you so much. I thank you for just these awesome friends who are up here. Um, I pray that you'd give us wisdom, Lord, as we go through your word and um, just show us, God, the best possible way to represent you up here. I pray you'd give us the words to speak and you just bless this time in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you guys can take a breather for a second because I'm going to read the passage um, and then we'll, I know, it's tough, right? Oh, wait, was that a breather? Just like a long breath out? Okay, all right. Okay, so if you have your Bibles or if you can see it on the screen, we're in John chapter 5 and we're at the point in Jesus' story where he is out doing miracles. He is out lending people a hand. Ha ha, lame joke. So in John chapter 5, verse 1 says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsedia, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the movement of the water. So just so you guys know what's going on right now, there was a place called Bethsedia, which was known as the House of Pity or the House of Mercy, where all the sick people would come. So just imagine in your neighborhood, you know there's this neighborhood pool where all of the sick people came. You just, just that sounds just lovely, doesn't it? The neighborhood pool where all the sick, crippled people like to hang out. It sounds like a blast. Um, and it's called the House of Mercy or the House of Pity, probably because when people walk by, they'd see all these sick people and they'd take pity on them. Um, in verse 4, there's this really interesting verse that says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, I was reading that verse, I was like, that's really interesting. If you look into it, there's actually several Bible translations where that verse is taken out. And the reason that we think so, and I think it's a pretty good assumption, is... Um, the person who wrote the Gospel of John, John, the, the, the disciple John, when he threw that verse in there, um, it's probably meant not as a fact, like, oh yeah, like God totally sent this angel to like stir up the pool and, you know, people got in and because of the angel's like magical touch, it like healed them. Um, what that was, was probably a legend that anybody reading the Gospel of John would have known at the time. Um, but for us reading it, we're like, wait, what did God really send an angel? Um, I think probably what this was, was it was like a faith healing scam type of thing. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but like there's all these type of faith healing scams out there. Um, I was yesterday watching there's people who um, they're like hey I've got this green handkerchief and it's a holy handkerchief and if you send me a hundred bucks I will mail this to you I have personally sweated my pastor healing sweat onto it and you just wipe yourself with it and you will be healed like it's that type of thing there's another one where people sell like bottled holy water where it's like hey for you know ten dollars I'll sell you this bottle of bottled holy water and if you sprinkle it on you you'll be healed it's 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 kind of in the same vein as that. Um, so 
obviously there's all these people who are sitting by the pool. Here's another thing. Think about it. There's all of these sick people hanging out by the edge of this pool. Like just imagine these are all sick, crippled weirdos and that this is the pool. And they're sitting there. And then just imagine it's not four of them, but it's like 40, okay? So all of a sudden the water starts to stir and like everybody jumps in the pool. It's probably one of those situations where like no one was really able to figure out who was the first person in because there's like 40 people jumping in at once, you know? So like everyone's like, oh, I was the first one. No, I was the first one. And people were like, oh, I feel a little bit better. I don't know, like my tummy ache went away. Like it's, it, it was just this really confusing thing that probably no one actually really got healed from. So a bunch of desperate people sitting around a pool and anytime the wind moved the water, they're all jumping in hoping that it heals them. So I just want you guys to get a picture of what a strange occurrence this is. So, verse 5. Now a certain man there was, or now there was a certain man there who had a infirmity, a sickness, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him saying, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up, but when I am coming, another steps down before me. So Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made instantly well, took up his bed and walked. That day was the Sabbath. So the Jews therefore said to him, who was cursed, the man who's healed now, Jesus does this miraculous healing without any holy water or anything like that. Jesus just heals him by the power of him being Jesus. So the Jews come up and they say, hey, the Pharisees, you know, the religious guys, they come up and they say, it's the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. It's just insane, by the way, that there's this man who they've been seeing for years crippled by the side of the road, and now he's walking around. They're not going, whoa, how did that happen? That's amazing. They just see him carrying his bed, and they're like, hey, it's the Sabbath, and you know that you're not supposed to, like, carry things on the Sabbath. Go lie down again. Like, these, these guys are messed up. So then in verse 11, he answered them, and he said, the person who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, saying, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the ones who was healed did not know it was him, for Jesus had withdrawn, and a multitude was in that place. So afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, and he said, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So then the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. And that obviously leads to the Pharisees wanting to kill Jesus, but we'll get into that on another week. Um, what we're going to be looking at this week is the evangelism of Jesus Christ. And like we had our student leadership meeting um, recently and, you know, we got together with about, you know, I think 11 or so of um, the high school students and we were just talking to them about what do you guys feel like is God's heart for our youth group? And one of the things that got brought up is um, for those of you guys who've been on this journey with us since junior high, um, one of the things God really led us to was um, evangelism, to like go out and do street witnessing and like preach the gospel. And a lot of you guys in this room, you've done that with us. And you've seen people get saved. You've seen awesome stuff happen. Uh, it's been really, really cool. But now I feel like, and it, it seemed like from all the things the other students were saying as we were sitting in the circle talking, I feel like what God is calling us to is in addition to going out in the streets and talking to strangers, which is really scary, he's calling us to actually do something as a group that's even more scary, which is to tell our friends and people that we know about Jesus, which can be way freakier and scary. So 
today, I thought it would be good for us to look at how does Jesus reach people? Like, what is the method? What is the style of how Jesus goes and reaches people? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a couple different ways that he does it, and then I'm going to hear from these guys, and we're going to hear what they think, and hopefully we can learn something all together. So I think the first thing, if you look up, is, you know, how did Jesus reach people? The first thing that we saw is he went where he knew he'd find hurting people. The Pool of Bethsaida was just this area where there was tons of people who were sick, crippled, like for years. The guy he healed, was, was it 38 years that we said? Yeah, so he's this guy who's been sick for 38 years, and it's this neighborhood pool area where everybody knows this is where the sick people come. So the question is, and I'm going to let uh, Zach start us off on this one. I'm going to ask you, Zach, what do you think? How can we go where we know we'll find hurting people? Um, like where we would know, like places? Yeah. Like in, in your opinion, in your heart, like, you know, like you personally, where do you see hurting people? Well, um, you know, I do go to, uh, I do go to Vista High, so it's um, just anywhere really in my school, there's always going to be those people that are in sin or hurting or have just an impediment in some sort of way dealing with sin. Everyone deals with it. And especially when they don't know the Lord, it's pretty easy to see people. I just taking from my friend group, m like n I'd say 99% of my friend group is are non-Christians, mm. and so it's really easy to be able to be a light and you know, give to them. Yeah. Right. You're on your school campus, and like you totally see it's a mission field, right? Like yeah, everywhere definitely. you look, there's people who are either hurting on the outward, like, you know, people who are cutting or people who are depressed. Like, I mean, do you see that a lot at school? Because there's so, I, I go down to his school, Vista High, and there's so many kids. Like, I grew up going to Calvary where there was, like, five people, like, at a time, kind of. Um, not very many people. Um, I mean, do you see, like, do you see a lot of people when you're, like, walking through the school where you can, like, visibly tell they're struggling or hurting? What do you uh, think? Oh, yeah, I definitely, there's, like, different groups that, like, kind of come together when they're all hurting and like have the same kind of like, you know, struggles, and they definitely all clump together and clump together in their own little cliques, and so it's really easy to see like, man, those people look like they're struggling with that, or they look like they're struggling with this. So definitely, it's awesome. Um, I'm gonna ask Trevor something along those lines to follow up. So Trevor, um, what do you think we can do? What are some other ways as Christians? that we can go out and find people who are hurting. Can you rephrase the question? Yeah. What are some ways as Christians that we can go out and find people who are hurting? Okay. I basically said it the same way. I just repeated it. Well, maybe you can in the tenderloin. <laughs> <laughs> you can You guys don't know what I'm talking about. You should explain that otherwise it's going to be really creepy. What what did you say? Did you I talked about the Tenderloin. Okay. Yeah. So when we went to San Francisco, we stayed in a district called the Tenderloin. And there was a man who was kind of like our, our guide, our Sherpa for the San Francisco trip. His name was Heiko, and he was really German. And he had this really resonating German voice. And Aaron say something like Heiko would say. This is, this is what he sounded like. Hello, I am Heiko. Welcome to San Francisco in the Tenderloin. That's <laughs> what he sounded like. I'm serious. He was great. He was this big, exactly jolly German Exactly like man. that. It was really fun to make fun of him. It was outstanding. Him, him and Trevor O'Keefe had like this love-hate relationship where they were always like fighting, like fake fighting. Like they really, they were, it was kind of like they were an old married couple and it was beautiful. 
I loved it. It was. But, but yeah, yeah what, um, what do you think, man? Like, I mean, you can use mission trips as an example. Like, w how can we do that? Um, like we did in San Francisco. Like, we were invited to go and we went um, on a mission to yeah. go and help the homeless people in San Francisco. But also, I mean, you could, you know, visit homeless shelters. Like, there's one right across the street from our church that I yeah. serve food at. Totally. Um, you could, like, go to school with a mission, like, with that mission mindset. Yes. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Allie Rose, do you have something? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so whenever you said, like, how can you find hurting people, I immediately yeah. thought of, like, a hospital. Because it's where you go when you're hurt. No, yeah, <laughs> but literally. Then I was like, there's a lot of lonely people who are at hospitals who don't have any family, who don't have anyone, and you can just, like, go spend time with them. Or like yes. old folk home. Old folks home. Old folks home, old yeah. Old folk home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're lonely, and they're, they probably maybe are depressed, so they need some people. No, I think you hit it right on the head, because, like, the way that Jesus saw the world, like the eyes that Jesus saw the world with, where he's looking around. You guys, uh, has anyone seen Iron Man? Raise your hand if you've seen Iron yeah. Man. You know how like argue, ar argue man. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> that's, that's me sometimes. Um, Iron Man, um, when he's looking around scanning people, like it like comes up and it's like target, like, like terrorist, innocent civilian. Like it comes up and he like scans them and he sees them for what they are. You guys know what I'm saying? Like that's how Jesus is. He looks around and he sees the people who are hurting and who are lost. And you can think like, oh, well, he's Jesus. You know, he's supernatural. Well, the Bible tells us that we have God's Holy Spirit. He's given us his spirit. Um, as Christians, like, like the things that we're telling you today, it's not just like, here's like some helpful tips that you can, if you're feeling like it, you know, maybe share the gospel with somebody. What we really strongly hear at our youth group, Hope's Anchor, what we feel very strongly is that you guys are called to be disciples of Jesus. And a huge part of being a disciple is living your life in a way that shares the gospel. That's through your actions and through your words. So what I want to encourage you guys to do is pray and ask God, give me your eyes. I mean, I know some of you guys, seriously, this kind of thing is so intimidating for you. The thought of speaking publicly in front of people, like um, some of you guys are probably the types where you're shy even and like you have to like use even like humor to like, that's how I was in high school. Like I used humor to kind of fall back on and sometimes I was scared to open up to people. So the thought of like going to somebody at your school and just talking to them about the Lord um, is like terrifying. Like you're like, that would like ruin my social standing. Like I would be an outcast if I did that. Um, I really want to encourage you. You won't be able to do this on your own. That's because our human nature is really against this type of thing. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to step out of our comfort zone. But um, I want to encourage you, pray for the eyes of Christ so that you can see people in your schools as like the way God sees them. Like honestly, if you ask this Holy Spirit for help, he can show you who sitting at the lunch tables is having a hard day. He can show you who is struggling, who's going through something. He can lead you supernaturally to that person. Um, and you just have to ask God for it. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Um, let's go to the next one. Uh, the next one was he went where people were seeking false hope. Um, so obviously there at the pool, it was false hope. Like everyone had their hope in this magical, mystical water trick, and it didn't work. And I think it's brilliant that Jesus goes to where there's 
a place where people are looking for hope in the wrong place. And I'm gonna turn it over to my lovely wife. Um, what do you think? Any thoughts on that? How can we reach people and find those type of people who are looking for hope in the wrong place? What does that look like? I feel like I'm on a talk show. <laughs> can you repeat the question? Yeah. Um, how can we reach people who are looking for hope in the wrong place? And for people, what does that look like? Like, where are people trying to find hope in the wrong place a lot of times? Well, I think anyone who is not a Christian is obviously looking for hope in the wrong places. Um, I think everyone's trying to find um, acceptance, and you can see that a lot just from, like, Instagram and social media, stuff like that. Um, what was the question again? How can, how can we reach people? Any, like, like, if you guys look at these points and you what, try to think of them in a question way. Um, am I trying to find where they are? Or how, how can we reach them? How, how, okay, how? Who are they? Let's identify them. And then how everyone. can we... Everyone. Okay, everyone. All right. Great. <laughs> I'm just getting distracted. Sorry. Don't distract her, Trevor. Um, I will turn this stage around. <laughs> <laughs> um... I think, yeah, like I was saying, everyone is kind of looking for hope in the wrong places. Obviously, you don't have to, like, walk into a mosque or something. And right. Like, that's extreme. But we could. We that, could. That's kind of extreme. But yeah. um, even people, like, in your family, um, your friends, I think just, like, maybe starting a conversation, like, um, you can just have conversations. You don't have to, like, witness at them or whatever. Oh, sorry. Um, but just like asking people, like, where, do, what do you put your hope in? What, where yeah. do you find joy? Um, and just having like those conversations. Yeah, um, totally. What? Like finding out like what makes you happy. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's good. But I feel like there was something else I was gonna say. Did uh, one of you guys have something, or I couldn't tell if you were like getting your Bible out because you were like ready. Um, Zach, I want to ask you something on this too. Thank you, Brooklyn. So, people who are looking for hope in the wrong places—it could be anything. You know, people are using drugs; they can put their hope in drugs. They can put their hope in a relationship with a guy or a girl. Um, they can put their hope in another religion, a false religion. Um, so. You know, at school, Zach, like you're involved in FCA, which is a Christian club, and we talked about it before. That's the kind of club where a lot of Christians come to, right? So it's not necessarily people looking for hope in the wrong places. It's you're coming to your Christian club at your school. Um, how many of you guys go to some sort of Christian club at your school? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Ooh. Cool, cool. So when you go to an FCA or a Christian club, you're with a group of Christians who are looking for hope in the right place. So then how do you go out from that at your school and find those people and like, you know, how do you start those conversations? What do you think? You know, it's a really difficult conversation to have a lot of the time, but um, going with other people I've learned is a really good tool. You know, taking people like finding like one or two people that have the same heart as you and they're and you're like, you know, I have a few of these people that I have in mind that are like struggling. I've, you know, I've seen them. Like, I really want to go talk to them and, you know, see if they'd want to come to the club or, you know, just to talk to them about Jesus. And so getting a few people together, going over and like, you know, just talking with the Lord. It's a, 
a few ways that you can start it. I learned that you could do it really bluntly and being like, hey, have you ever heard about Jesus? Or you could just start it like a really normal conversation and then being like, like, what do you do for fun? Like, yeah. like what's like what you do? Kind of tricking them a little bit, like right. just telling you like what they actually do. And they'd be like, hey, I have something way better. Right, totally. I, I think um, there's a question that got sent in by you guys. Um, we sent out a text and we said, hey, you know, send us in your questions. We can get your guys' side of this. We can answer some of the things you guys are talking about. So one of the questions that came in, uh, and I'm going to let Allie Rose answer this, as long as you're okay with the chance I might disagree with your answer, and then we can talk about it, we can debate. Um, but uh, yeah, so go ahead and pass it to Allie. Um, so here's the question that you guys sent in. I'm going to let Allie try to answer it. Um, as a Christian, should we have non-Christian friends? What do you think? Should we have non-Christian You want to hold the friends? mic up a little bit. There you okay. go. Okay. Because your voice sounds so great. I don't want people to miss out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yes. Yes. Because. Let's give her a hand. She got it right. Yes, you should have non-Christian friends. Okay. Because. Because, because why? Um. Because, like Jesus, Jesus went out to, um, he hung out with the, um, the sinners, and he was with them, and so they could understand him more. And if you're a Christian and you don't have any non-Christian friends, um, it's hard to, like, relate to them and, like, talk to them and start a conversation with them and, um, like... Um, if you have uh, non-Christian friends, it can be really hard. Like, I've struggled, like, with uh, non-Christian friends. You can start wanting to act like them, want, say the things that they say, um, do the things that they do, and it gets really difficult, and you, yeah, it's you a feel struggle. really drained yeah. sometimes after hanging out with them. But um, just being around them and the way you act they know something's different. Yeah, it can be a struggle, I think, because you got something on that? Yeah. Yeah, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, also, like, if you have <laughs> friends that aren't saved, you need to, like, be careful and just, I guess, ask yourself, like, why am I friends with them? Not, like, make sure that you're not just friends with them so that you can be a different person mm. than you would be with your Christian friends. Right. Like, just so you can, like, sin without being judged or people saying anything because um, you don't want to like be friends with them for the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's and if you're gonna, that's so good. That's if you're so gonna good. be friends with them, I mean, not that you're, you know, I don't know. Obviously, like you can have some things in common, you know. Right. But um, you just need to be like on guard that you're not letting their life affect yours, and um, but also not acting like you're better than them. Just being like honest with them that you're a sinner too and that you make mistakes mm. um i think that's important that's huge. and people will like, respect you for that too yeah absolutely i think you hit on some really good things both you guys like if you're absolutely called to have non-christian friends and if that blows some of your guys' minds um i'm sorry and if I hope your parents don't get mad at me and us for saying it uh, but it's true um but here's the thing though exactly what they were saying, but I just want to repeat it and reiterate it. You have to know why you want to have those friends. What are your motives? If you're going into it and you're like, like what Brooklyn said was great. 
Like, I, oh, man, like, the, the thought that you would want to have these non-Christian friends because you can sin around them, and they're going to be the people who accept you for your sin, that is the complete opposite backwards of what it's supposed to be. Um, you're, as a Christian, you're called to be around sinners who are going to sin so that you can show them grace and love and, and a way out from that sin that's poisonous and killing them. So if you're going into it so that you can participate in the sin with them, you're just going to get dragged down in your faith. Um, Jesus, he's our example, right? We're going through this. Jesus is the one we follow. He's the one we look to. Jesus was a missionary. He was known. I don't know if you guys know this, but like that was his nickname, his reputation that the Pharisees had. They'd say, that's the guy who's the friend of sinners. Like That's what he was known as. He would go and have dinner with um, tax collectors, drunkards, prostitutes. Like He would hang out with the lowest of the low, but the Bible never says he like went and like supported what they did he never went was like hey like let's all get drunk or like hey let's go find some prostitutes like jesus never did that what he did was he sat down with them and he spent time with them and he loved them like he showed them compassion like think about it if you're a drunk or a prostitute or a tax collector you're hated everybody hates you and they judge you and think about it there's probably people in your schools who feel so judged by christians they feel like like christians look at them um, has anyone ever, like, do, do you know anybody at your school? Has anyone ever heard anyone at your school talk about how judgmental Christians are? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So that's our reputation. That's the church's reputation. But think about it. If you act the way Jesus does, if you spend time with them, and in the back of your head, what you're thinking is, I am a missionary. I'm spending time with these people not to get sucked into what they do, but to draw them out into seeing what God does. Like, that's so much different. Like, you don't have to go party with them, but you can sit with them. You can go out to lunch with them. You can hang out with them, and you can just listen. Like, um, you know, when somebody who's in sin is telling you kind of their life story and all their problems, a lot of times as Christians, we're just, like, waiting to, like, tell them, like, well, that's wrong. Like, you're a sinner. Like, that's sin. That's sin. That's sin. Sometimes, like, I'm sure what Jesus did was he probably just listened to them and let them talk and let them share. And then praying carefully, asking God what to do, then he'd bring in the truth, but always with love and grace. I mean, think about what he did with the woman at the well. He went to her, someone who was an outcast, a woman, um, a uh, Samaritan, like, and he sits down with her and talks to her and shares with her. Like, sh and it's not just listening, it's talking too. It's telling people about the Lord. Um, does that make sense? You guys tracking with this? Yeah? Okay. So yes. Have some non-Christian friends. If you're not ready for it, though, and some of you guys, honestly, you might not be ready for that. And if your parents, like, really don't want you to hang out with anybody who's not a Christian, they could be wrong, and you can maybe tell them to talk to me, and maybe we can talk about it and stuff, but they might be right in the sense that they know you, and they know that you'll get sucked into that stuff. So if you're in a position right now where your parents are like, hey, based on your past behavior, we've seen you when you hang out with these friends, this is the kind of person you become, if your parents are telling you not to hang out with those people, don't, but then what you do is you take some time to pray and go to God and say, God, obviously when I'm with these kind of people, I sin, but I wanna be a missionary. So prepare my heart and then give me an opportunity. Maybe it's gonna take a year of me just spending time with the Lord, hanging out with people who love Jesus, but Lord, use that time to prepare me so that when I go to college or maybe next year when I'm older in high school, maybe I'm a senior and my parents kind of are like, hey, you can now do what you want. I'm not gonna go to those friends and just say, let's party. I'm gonna go to those friends and say, I'm a missionary sent to like love these people into the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, cool. So the third one is um, he found somebody 
with many troubles. And I want to ask Trevor, uh, Trevor, why do you think sometimes it's hard to get tangled up with people when we know that we're going to have to deal with their problems? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like when we, you know, like, you know how sometimes like when you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? And they're like, not very good. You're kind of like, oh no, like now I'm, now I'm involved in this person's issues. I mean, what do you think? Why is that so hard for us as humans? I mean, sometimes if, like, if you yourself are going through, like, a lot of junk in your own life and you ask someone else how they're going and they just dump all their junk on you, it can be a little bit overwhelming yeah. to, like, because I feel like everyone in this room, like, has a heart to help our friends. But if we're also, like, in need of help, and we're just constantly like having other people um, tell us about their problems, it can get a little overwhelming. And you can feel like you yourself aren't getting the help you need, but at the same time you're giving it to everyone else and that can kind of drain you. Totally, absolutely. Anyone else have any thoughts on that? We got, we got a lot of stuff to cover, so if you don't have anything, it's fine. We can keep moving. Um, I think that's great. I think it's awesome that Jesus even though he had so many troubles, like the Bible actually says Jesus was a man of constant sorrows, but when you read about Jesus, was he crying? Was he weeping all the time? Or was he joyful? Did he invite people in? What was it? What was it? It was the second one. Yeah, he was joyful. So, but Jesus knows he's gonna die. Like, <laughs> have you guys ever done the death clock thing where you like see when you're gonna die? Like there's this no. thing online where you can like put in your height mm, no and your you. weight. And like your like, do you smoke? Do you drink? Um, do you take drugs? Like all that stuff. And then it like calculates like when you're gonna die. <laughs> and the other day I did it. There was two different websites, and the f I did the same information. And then the first one, it's like you're gonna live for another 60 years. And I was like, hey, awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna be 70 or 80 when I die. That's great. The next one said I'm gonna live for like another 30 years. And I was like, wait, which one is it? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, oh my, <laughs> that's scary. Uh, now I'm really uncertain. Um, so, um, why did I even say that? <laughs> where, was I, where was I going with that? Jesus knew he was going to die. Yes, thank you. Oh, save me. So Jesus knows that he's going to die. He knows that his death is coming. Like, none of us have that. Like, we know we're going to die, like, in a billion years. But none of us are like, oh, I'm going to die in two years. I better live for the Lord right now. Jesus knows he's going to die. And he still spends his time, even though he has that sorrow inside his heart, even though he knows that a huge amount of pain is coming his way, he still spends his time looking for people who have huge amounts of problems and taking their burden onto his back. And I just want to encourage you guys, like at your schools, at your college, like God is calling you to find people with troubles, people who are broken, and introduce Jesus into their life so that Jesus can pick up their broken pieces and put them together. And that's not gonna happen if we're self-absorbed. If our life is like, I gotta focus on me, and I've got this class and this activity, and like this college I gotta go to, and I gotta save up for this and do this, and it's all just me, me, me. It's not those things are bad. Like if you have after-school activities, if you do sports, if you do music, like if you, if you do things, that's not bad. Uh, if you're saving up to go to college and you have all these plans, that, that's not bad. But when those things take all of the focus of our life and there's no room for reaching other people and our whole life just revolves around what am I gonna do? What am I gonna eat? What am, like, what's my plan? If that's our whole life, just how do I make myself happy? Then we're gonna really waste the opportunity we have to live for the Lord. 
Um, let's look at the fourth thing. The fourth thing was he, he knew him. Now, in the passage, what it says is Jesus looked at the man and he knew that the man had been sick for 38 years. Jesus looks at the guy and he knows everything about him because he's Jesus. So he knows him. He knows him deeply. This is what Jesus does all the time. Jesus meets people. They don't know him, but he knows them. And he sits down with them. He talks with them. And he tells them things that, like, they were like, how do you know that? Like, how do you know that I was sitting underneath that tree? How do you know I was married to five other husbands? Like, how do you know these things? Now, obviously, we can't do that, like, unless we're, like, Instagram stalking people to, like, try to figure out their life before we go witness to them, which is not a good idea. So um, I'm going to ask... Anyone want to volunteer? Brooklyn, okay. And then Allie Rose. Um, Brooklyn, how can we be like Jesus and really truly know people before we just go and like dump a bunch of evangelistic information on them? Um, I think whether it's a stranger or someone that you do know, just taking the time to actually listen to them. Because I think um, if you know where someone's coming from, if you know like their backstory, you can reach them better um, because you kind of know where their heart's at and um, how they're doing. Um, but also I think just like in our friendships or um, anyone really like, we're so quick to do all the talking. Like we wanna talk about our lives, what we've been through um, or just anything we think that we have to offer. But I think it's really refreshing when you meet someone who's just a good listener and they actually ask about your life and they wanna know things about you. Um, so I think when someone can see that you care about them and you care about their lives and you're actually listening and you're asking questions, um, they're going to have like a, I guess they're going to somewhat trust you in a way because they they see that you care about them. Um, yeah. So I think just like really listening to people and just their lives and asking them about their lives and then... Um, just being engaged in the conversation, I think, goes a long way. That's so, like, the heart of Jesus, to, like, take the time to sit down and really get to know people. Um, I know for us, I, I don't know if you were there that day. Um, if anyone was there that day, like, raise your hand, shout out, so if you remember. But um, Brantz was with us, and you guys remember Brantz. He's, like, super cute and little guy, and he has a guitar. <laughs> We were doing street witnessing, and we found these, like, total hippies and, um, like, modern hippies. They were into, like, New Age, Buddhism, all that kind of stuff. And Brant started playing his guitar, and they invited us over because they had their guitar, and Brant was playing the guitar, and we were playing the guitar. And we spent, like, probably about a half an hour talking to them and just asking them, like, what do you guys believe? And they were, like, telling us about how they grew up in the church, and they had really bad experiences, and people were really legalistic and strict and always judging them. So that's why they were more open to like Buddhism and New Age stuff. And by the time we got around to talking about Jesus with them, they were like, you know what? A lot of people, when they try to tell us about Jesus, they just try to shove it down our throats. But you guys were willing to take the time to listen to us and get to know who we were and what we believe. So they were way more open to hearing about Jesus. What do you think, Allie Rose? What do you got? Um, I think um, what helps us, that's what I was going to say, like um, just listening to them and um, also following up, going to them and like, um, like I've had a friend where like they've had problems and you keep on going and listening to them again and again and again. And I, um, I always try to say like, well, like I'll say my two cents about God and like 
just just a little bit though and then after a while after um like a couple weeks of them just like talking and talking and talking about all their problems like finally I'll sit down and I'm like hey you're you're struggling with this and you need to come before the Lord and any anywhere else you're not going to find what you're looking for because um like there are you can't find any answers like looking yourself you have to go to the Lord to um so just coming up to them and being consistent with them and being their friend. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, why don't we pass it back to Zach, and then we'll go to Trevor, and we'll just start making our way down the line because we're going to do some questions. Um, before we do some questions, I just really want to cover these last two points, and we're not going to talk about them because I want to do the Q&A parts with you guys and let you guys be the ones answering the questions. So... When you guys are dealing with people in your school, obviously we're finding people who have false hopes. They're putting their hopes in so many things that aren't the Lord. Then um, we find people with troubles. We know them. We sit down. We talk to them. For some of you, this means that like God's like think about it. Like honestly, just take a moment right now. Think about it. Is think like who is the first person that pops in your head when you think of this person needs Jesus? Think about it really quick. First person who pops in your head. Okay. Now. Maybe that's the person God's calling you to witness to at your school. Maybe that's the person that God is putting on your heart for you to make an effort to reach them. So you sit down with them, and maybe over a couple weeks, you know, you're talking to them. You're getting to know their story. You're not sitting with your friends and just hanging out and wasting time at lunch, but, like, you're actually making an effort to, like, go and hang out with this person who needs Jesus. Once you find them, you need to present them with the problem and the solution. And when we go out witnessing, we always say it's a three-part process. It's just sickness, cure, are you going to take the cure? Or problem, solution, are you going to take the solution? The problem is sin, and it's just, you can tell someone about sin so simply. You know, everyone's messed up. Everyone's made mistakes. So you can just bring up, like, what I do is instead of pointing out their mistakes, like for instance, if I was trying to witness to somebody who was struggling with homosexuality, I would not open with, hey, did you know that that's going to send you to hell and that's bad and you're bad? What I would do is I would start talking about my own sin. I would start telling them about the things I struggle with and my problems and how because of Jesus, I'm saved from those problems and from going to hell. And then I would start talking to them and I'd invite them like, hey, the things that you struggle with, like God is calling you out of those things, just like he called me, the things that I would have gone to hell for if not for Jesus. Like, don't you guys feel like that's so much more refreshing like than someone sitting down and like yelling at you and be like, hey, listen, like I saw you do that bad thing. I saw you making out with that girl. You lied to the teacher. You cheated. Like you're gonna go to hell unless you receive Jesus. Instead, like sitting down with them and sharing that you struggle and you have problems and you would have gone to hell without Jesus isn't like, to me, that's just so much better than just going straight at them and saying, hey, did you know that you're a horrible person? I mean, everyone really knows deep down there's something wrong, but when you show them that you struggle too, it, it just, I mean, I don't know. For me, that's so much better. So Jesus asked the guy, do you want to be made well? And the guy's like, yeah, I mean, I do. Like, I want to be made well, but... I mean, I can't get in the pool. I can't do it. A lot of times when you talk to people about their problems and you're like, hey, do, do you want to get better? They're like, I've been trying. 
That's what this guy's been doing for years. He's been sitting by this pool, and he's like, I've been trying to do it. I've been trying to fix my problems, but no matter what I do, everything gets worse. I'm sure many of you guys are probably thinking of people in your own life who maybe they have problems, and it's just like nothing gets better. It just keeps getting worse. Well, then what Jesus tells them, he shows them the way. He says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And then later on, he says, sin no more. And so for us, really, it's calling people to rise, walk with Jesus, and turn away from their sin. It's inviting people into, like, what a life with God looks like. And I'm just going to use really quick, before we go into the questions, a really simple example of this. Because this can get complicated. Like, sometimes you guys can, like, you're like, oh, I don't know all the lingo. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to preach the gospel to somebody. I don't know how to say it the right way. Um, so this uh, last weekend, I just went down to Imperial Beach to visit our old friend Hagen, who um, got saved when we went out street witnessing. And he's doing great. Like, he is walking with the Lord. This is how we preach the gospel to Hagen. You were there, right? You were with... Oh, so it was Emma, Emma Selling and James Frizee, I think, were with us. Okay, I thought you were there. So me, Emma, James Frizee, and I think Simone, maybe, we were there, and um, we walked up to this random group of skaters. Um, I didn't start busting out my Bible college theology and, like, start talking about all this complicated stuff. All we asked was just, hey, did you guys hear the good news? And they were like, what's the good news? Like, seriously, guys, I would recommend asking your friends at school, have you heard the good news? And just see what they say. They're going to be like, no, what the heck are you talking about? And then you can just break it down really simply. And that's what we did. We we're just like, well, I mean, God created the world, and then we got separated from God because of our sin. The things that we did that were wrong created this wall between us and God, and we couldn't get to him. But he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to tear down that wall, to die on the cross, to live a perfect life. And, and if we believe in God's son Jesus, that he is the son of God, if we believe that, and if we believe that he died for us, if we put our faith in him and follow him, then we'll be saved, and we don't have to go to hell when we die. We get to go and be with Jesus forever, now here on earth and in heaven one day, like all this awesome stuff. And as we're talking to these skaters, like their eyes are just kind of opening up, and I thought when I was talking to them that they were getting confused, because I, I doubted myself, you know? We were talking to them, and I was like, oh man, these guys don't understand what we're talking about. Like, this is super sketchy. And then God spoke to me in my heart and was like, ask them if they want Jesus. Just ask them. Just ask them. And so I just, like, just so you guys know, like I said, anytime I do this, I get really scared. I'm not really confident. I'm not like, oh, let's go preach the gospel. It's terrifying. But God spoke to me, and I was, I was almost ready to walk away from that group of skaters and say, okay, so you guys heard the gospel, so see you later. But God was like, ask them if they want Jesus. So I just asked them, like, so do, do you guys want that? Like, do you want Jesus? Do you want to be saved? Like, what, do you guys want it? And, like, all four of them were like, yes, pray for us right now. And we prayed, and they received Jesus, and it's awesome. Now, here's the thing. I've been visiting Hagen. Um, he was this, one of the skaters, um, and now we have this friendship. And I went down to Imperial Beach to visit him, like I said, last weekend. Um, I asked him how the other guys were doing who got saved, and he said, not as well. They haven't continued to walk with Jesus. They've fallen away. And I encourage him, just keep praying for them because when God plants that seed, like when, when God reaches out to save somebody, they can choose to walk away on their own, but he continues to reach out and to pull them back, so don't give up on them. But the, the point is, Hagen is this guy who's, he's going strong. Like he's walking with Jesus. He's not giving up. I'm so stinking proud of him. You guys can do that too. 
you can just simply just ask somebody, hey, have you heard the good news? Talk to them about it for five minutes about who Jesus is and ask them, do you want that? Like, I, when I prayed with Hagen and his friends, I had no idea that Hagen would still be walking strong with Jesus to this day, but his life was changed because of what we did, because we followed God's response to tell someone about the gospel. So you guys can do that too. You have just as much Holy Spirit power in you as me and James and Emma Selling and Simone did in that moment. You have it.